You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 north delaware downtown indianapolis well as you know there's been a lot of stuff in the news about social media as of late people getting banned on social media whose property is it uh, also if you're in business trying to advertise on social media you got big changes coming so naturally whenever there's something to do with social media i ask to get the band back together and so they've graciously come back into this wonderful studio uh our good friend dave meeker bringing tech to you dave always good to have you back thanks for being with us sir thanks for the invite uh, our good friend dr aaron albert uh with the ascp and also instructor butler university aaron thanks for being here Pleasure as always. And of course, you can't have a social media discussion without this guy. He works on some other radio show in town. Actually, he's really good. Uh, Chris Spangle, web director at the Bob and Tom Show, and uh, does the We Are Libertarians podcast. So, Chris, thanks for coming by and not getting into a fight with somebody on the way in the elevator. Well, Rob, Rob Kendall looked at me funny, but I resisted <laughs> because I'm a guest here. That's right. But if you were in my hood, yeah, you, we'd you, have a problem. Yeah, you didn't get triggered. So, there, right. there, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, my friends, uh, let's just start by just simple. Uh, just start with you, Chris. We'll just work around the table. Uh, what's up with social media these days? Well, uh, since the last time we talked, social media seems to have stabilized a little bit in some of their bannings. But there was a new round recently where they removed people like uh, Alex Jones. And the reasoning was that he had Gavin McInnes on, who was one of the founders of Vice Magazine, and then went on to start a, a male social club called the Proud Boys, which was starting to show up at events where conservative speakers were uh, speaking to defend against Antifa attacks, and they were labeled a hate group by the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which actually is no longer used by Twitter to identify hate groups. But McInnes has gotten this reputation that he is uh, like a state-sponsored terrorist, almost, like he's Yasser Arafat. And so Alex Jones had him on after uh, McInnes was removed from CRTV, uh, Mark Levin, your friend, uh, your buddy, he had um, he had him, he let him go when they merged with Glenn Beck's The Blaze. And that's why Alex Jones was removed from Facebook. So having someone on as a guest on a program that was not on the platform was grounds for removal. And then some other people were removed from Facebook for talking about that for praising Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, Gavin McInnes, you can now be removed from Facebook. And so when we first came in and started talking about these bans, uh, I was saying this is a problem when we start carving out political speech exceptions. Now the the slippery slope has gotten to if you talk about the people banned, you can be banned now the the rule is if you interview somebody that goes against their guidelines on off of their platform you can be banned and so it's not what you say on their platform it's what you do 
anywhere else in your life that can determine whether or not you ha- have access to these platforms. Dr. Albert, uh, social media, we're going to we're gonna get uh, double circle back on uh, Chris Mangle's comments just a bit. Uh, how's the social media universe these days? Well, I'm in the pharmacy and, and medical community. I would say social media is still on the uptick in our worlds. Um, Instagram is seeming to explode these days, but that has the younger demographic, the Gen Z. What are you doing, putting your bottle of pills on Instagram? Look, <laughs> I'm taking 30 cc's of, The kids, you know. the, the pharmacy students, I'm thinking, primarily are on Instagram. Um, now that Pinterest has officially done its IPO, I think it's off and running as a viable candidate as well on social media. I've noticed in LinkedIn, their algorithm has changed a little bit in that uh, I don't think their reach is as organic as it used to be. Uh, LinkedIn group still isn't as robust as I'd personally like to see it because it's a more professional venue. Whereas I know Facebook recently has made this move to doing more groups, more private discussions, and seems to be headed in that direction per Zuckerberg. Dave? Right. On the F8 uh, 2019, one of the statements was a privacy-focused social network built around messages. And messaging, five years ago, I found a study from the UK that said messaging was the number one way people communicated in the world, primarily with WhatsApp, because over in Europe, you have to pay for text. And that vision that I had is finally starting to come through. But Facebook's going to have it so that you can message anyone on Instagram or WhatsApp all on mobile, cross-platform, and eventually on desktop. But this is the biggest thing I thought that was the most, that hit me from a business standpoint. 20 billion messages between people and business. So it's clear that people are using that to communicate with businesses. But they're taking stuff out of the town square and more into private. So if you want to have some of these political or perhaps off-color conversations, you can create a private group, private video, and have those discussions without getting banned. No. Is the way I read it. What is what I interpret? <laughs> no, that's not true. They they scan every message. They scan every group. And I have I have personally been uh, I've received a one day ban for things that I said in a private group. Okay. And I find their move like Facebook's move towards groups to be absolutely mystifying because that seems to be the driver of most of the conspiracies. You you create these echo chambers in groups. And it's what drives the anti-vax movement. It's what drives conspiracy movements. And so for Facebook, which is under the gun for being the the propagator of all these quote-unquote conspiracies, they're doubling down on it and moving people into groups, into private areas, and trying to remove the news feed. And they're just going to make the problem worse. It's almost like Facebook is a government. They try to find, come up with a solution, and they end up making it worse. Yeah, it's going to cost you money, too. Right. <laughs> All right, we're talking today to our good friends, Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you, uh, Dr. Aaron Albert, instructor at Butler University, and also uh, with the ASCP, and Chris Mangle, web director for the Bob and Tom Show, and uh, does the We Are Libertarians uh, podcast. Uh, Dr. Albert, I want to get some get to something that Chris said earlier about the, 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 the Facebook bans, the, whether it's the Alex Jones or the you know, Louis Farrakhan's and the whole nine yards and whoever else. I was. I, it almost goes back to my theory. Isn't Facebook? You know, it's like a nightclub. They can kind of let anybody in that they want, or kick anybody out as long as you're not doing it for you know race, gender, you know the the protected class stuff that we all learned in law school. Facebook is not a democracy. It's just not. So I think, um, you know, all these congressional hearings that they had with all the heads of the digital media platforms and Congress, it was almost like watching. Venus and Mars, because they were speaking two entirely different languages. 
I think there's going to be increased government scrutiny, much like Europe has done in terms of digital privacy. I think we are heading in that direction with these platforms. I think there's going to be more regulation. But again, that's kind of generally the tone that I've seen with Congress and how they're playing with these social media platforms. But I don't know that our folks in Congress, no offense to them, I just don't know if they fully understand the power that these platforms actually hold and withhold. I'd agree with that because there's some people that still think Facebook's about taking pictures of your food. They don't understand. (laughs) And in some cases, on rare occasions, I will take pictures of an empty gumbo pot to show that, hey, the gumbo was good today. It's almost gone. But as far as the relevance of... I'll have a, I forget the exact name, but it was on LinkedIn. He talked about the value of having content with context. I see more and more of a shift of people having relevant, not only relevant content, but relevant conversations, which is where we try to get the real opinions out without getting banned. Chris, let me get you to chime in real quick. So, these are more than just private companies. This is not like Dave's company where he just has a small company. These this encompasses 2.5 billion people on the planet out of 7 billion. And it has a tremendous amount of control over public opinion. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, if he wakes up on election day and decides that he can hyper-target only young white females in uh, high income districts that sounds like me in college are, right <laughs> that are are going to vote Democrat and he pushes out a notification you know don't forget to vote today he can sway an entire election and there was actually a study by the former editor of Psychology Today his name is Dr Robert Epstein and uh, he's you know went to Harvard and he basically did a study on the effect of Google searches and how it sways elections and he was able to show that Google searches could change an election, it could swing it almost up to 60% uh, just by what results are fed. And so there is a tremendous amount of responsibility. It's not the same as just a private organization. Now, I believe in private property rights, so they absolutely have every right to do what they want on their platform. But at the end of the day, they should not, They, as a business, I and as a consumer of these businesses, have a right to say, I don't believe your practices should include censorship. Our guests today are our good friends, Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you. Dr. Aaron Albert uh, with the ASCP, also uh, with Butler University, and Chris Spengel, web director for the Bob and Tom Show, and also does the We Are Libertarians podcast. Chris, I want to uh, follow up uh, on that comment about you know the the private business and the, and the power they have. And Dr. Albert, let me get you in here because it seems to me that like with the, the example that Chris just used a couple moments ago about you know Mark Zuckerberg can get up, press a button, and say, "Hey, you really should vote for blah blah blah." move an election. How is that any different from the old newspaper journalists of the 1800s, you know, who would, you know, do the old do the old editorials, you know, I can't believe you people are going to vote for Grove and Cleveland for a second time non-consecutively vote for XYZ person. This seems to me just it's the same old song and dance just with a new coat of paint. And a higher end, right? <laughs> to Chris's point, 2.5 trillion people. We're not just talking about, you know, a local local newspaper. But, you know, recently Chris Hughes, who's one of the co-founders of Facebook, actually asked for Facebook to be busted up. Um, You know, his argument, I think, was that Facebook is getting a little too big. They have a little too much power. And I think when one of the founders of the platform starts ringing an alarm bell, that ought to 
give all of us a wake-up call, in my opinion. So, Dave, you're the old guy in the room. We remember this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, remember that old place called Ma Bell? Yes. Back in the 1980s? And Western the, Electric. Western Electric, the government said she was too big, and so they broke her up into baby bells. And, and tip and ring. Just don't have the wire in your mouth when the call's coming in. You'll, right. you'll get a shock. Exactly. And at the end of the day, they broke up the big phone company to the smaller phone companies that got eaten up and consolidated by bigger phone companies, and now we're just back to what? Five phone companies again. I mean, I, I've seen this before, so when people start talking about, you know, break up Facebook and break up social media, okay, all this really is just the longest road from monopoly to monopoly. I think the biggest battle we're going to see in the next year, in my opinion, is going to be between Google, Google AdWords, and what you can buy for per click versus buy per impression and whether it's effective or not with Facebook, which also owns WhatsApp and Instagram. Uh, but only time will tell. Uh, Chris, uh, like I said, on that, uh, can, can, can you break up a Facebook? Not really. And, and that's why I don't think it, it's the same as the phone companies, because you don't have the ability to break up the, the infrastructure. There's not really an infrastructure. And that's why it's it's insane to me that Facebook is valued above something like GE. You know, if, if Facebook goes out of business tomorrow, we're out of, what, several million Dell computers? Like, there, there isn't the same level of There's going to be a whole bunch of people not knowing what to do with themselves at 11 o'clock at night. Right. We, we would all survive the great uh, deplatforming of Facebook as, in and of itself. And so... If you broke it up into different platforms, it still would. It, it's the the internet. The genie's out of the bottle. You know, Bitcoin and uh, encrypted messaging and things like this. It really the genie's out of the bottle. And as people continue to leave Facebook and move away from it, it's going to go the way of MySpace, no matter what. I will go back to your newspaper article, uh, your newspaper argument, in that. When you picked up a newspaper, you knew you were reading an opinion piece, an editorial piece, and there was some level... It all depends level. on... Uh, right, yeah. well... Not to <laughs> trust pick me, trust a, me, not somebody who on. writes opinion pieces. I thought you newsmen are supposed to be un, supposed to be fair and not biased. No, no, no. I've had conversations with star reporters, too. I understand <laughs> the nature of, of political bias, but there is a level of manipulation that can take place on the internet that I, I, don't, I don't feel like we can... It's so overwhelming, and it and it is just such a huge part of our lives at this point in a way that newspapers weren't a hundred years ago. But I think you'll see it broken up. The messaging strategy is really what they're going for because people like me don't want to leave the Facebook platform or the ecosystem. I don't care about sharing my opinion. I wouldn't really get on there if I didn't have to do it for my work. But the messaging between my groups, my group chats, that's how my friends and I talk. Like sure. that's really their their strategy is to keep the messaging stuff and say, well, so I don't know how you'd break it up. I have no idea how you would split it into a different company it's what when you hear talk like that it's the average age of the congressman is like what 75 80 you watch one of these hearings with zuckerberg or, or jack dorsey and like, yeah, like when orrin hatch asked one but how do you make money on the internet right. advertising yeah <laughs> what's a modem steve yeah. cohen of recent chicken fame you know was asking them asking the google executives uh now do you have classes on how to use google because i could use that and, and it just was you you clearly see people who are going to regulate something they do not understand our guests today are chris bangle uh, web director for the bob and tom show also does the we are libertarian podcast dr aaron albert uh the ascp and also instructor at Butler university and dave meeker uh bringing tech to you uh like like chris was saying uh, Dr. Albert Aaron, are, is, is part of the problem that we try to navigate Facebook and social media is the fact that the people who write the rules are people who still are used to playing Pong, you know, on their old on their old Atari computers and just haven't quite figured out 
how this stuff works. Wait a minute. I love Atari. What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, now, the 2600, sure, okay. No, seriously, what, what intrigues me in healthcare and life sciences right now is not necessarily social media. It's more of this automated voice response technology with Amazon Alexa, Google Home, whereby, for example, um, Alexa and Amazon just filed a patent for technology that if you have an Alexa in your home and you start coughing, it will literally ask you if you are sick and then would ask you if you would like cough drops delivered in the next hour. So I think from a medical and healthcare perspective, uh, I think we're way um, beyond, you know, privacy discussions there. I think it's it's vastly more interesting and intriguing to me than something even like social media where we have a modicum of control. But isn't that, Dave, what we're, in a weird way, what people are kind of striving for is, you know, hey, if, if I got a cough, you know, and Alexa says, hey, Abdul, are you okay? Do you need me to order you something? Um, they, hey, why, why would I get upset? Well, it's, but it's automation. For example, there's a doctor's, there's a hospital here in town, I won't name who, that has tried, uh, canceled one of my appointments. They've texted me, automated texted me three times. They've had an automated message message me on voicemail three times just to call into their voicemail tree to go and talk to our recording. It's just counterproductive. And my point that she was making that I really liked is there's this automation. They're removing the human person out of it. Yes, we're still getting our f- news from our mobile devices, but a lot of these human touches that we used to have are going away and are f- going with, hey, Alexa, do this. Hey, Siri, do this. Or, hey, Google. What happened to be a real person? And maybe I'm, maybe that'll go out with our generation. I don't know. But this is just this is just Star Wars and Star Trek technology, you know. No, well, there's it's Black Mirror technology. If you if you understand this Chinese social credit system, I think there's. You, you may see, explain that to our audience. That uh, doesn't right? Because uh, well, you know, some people think Black Mirror. They think, oh, there's Abdul. But I'm bummed. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes off of what Aaron and Dave are talking about. In there's an episode of Black Mirror, but it's based on the social credit system in China, where it's like they don't have the FICO score in China, and so China needed a way to measure your your credit worthiness, and so they f- started as communists usually do factoring every aspect of your life now you can't travel you can't get on a bus and travel across town if you've posted the wrong things according to the chinese government so what happens when we get to a place in 25 years here in america where we are a cashless society everything's on your phone it's all through a pay app chase pay your your grocery purchase is denied because you don't uh, you don't like the right Facebook pages. I mean, we, we. I think we have to start thinking in terms, and, and you've known me since I, I was a wee lad, and I was pushing you to get on Facebook. I'm like number 19 million out of 2.5 billion. I've always been an early adopter. But I'm now starting to really think about when I was so eager to sign up for these things and these social networks and give them every data point possible, that's the other difference between the newspaper and Facebook. Facebook can accurately de- predict every piece of your behavior. Amazon, Google, the, the big four, a- Apple. 
um, and to some extent Twitter, they they can predict with so much accuracy what you need, what you want, what you'll do, that you start to run into the the Minority Report situation or or the what was the TV show with uh, Jim Caviezel that was recently Person of Interest or, I mean that was based oh, on a yeah. real system that actually existed Patient in the wreck. United States, right? And then you add on the fact that the NSA has collected every piece of electronic communication and phone call and text message and social post across the world for the last 15 years, uh, you, you start to look at, maybe we ought to be really careful about what we purchase and smart TVs and smartphones. And I personally do not have, I have an Alexa device at work. I keep it unplugged. I don't keep, uh, I, I turn a lot of things off on my phone. I'm much more conscious about giving these, the big four, a lot of data for them to understand who I am. And we have to be careful about not letting our society slip into that social credit system where if you believe the wrong thing and the predominant culture, for instance, is pro-choice and you're a pro-life person, will those systems be used to to punish you? For, and I think we really need to be concerned about hey, what Dave, we're building. Hey, Dave. Space Odyssey 2001. <laughs> exactly. How'd that right. go for him? <laughs> Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Our guests today are our good friends, Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you. Dr. Aaron Albert, uh, who is with Butler University, also instructor at Butler University with the ASCP. Chris Spangle, uh, web director uh, for the Bob and Tom Show, as well as uh, does the We Are Libertarians podcast. Uh, question. Uh, b- before we get all black mirror, black hat, black conspiracy theory, why not just, hey, if you don't like social media, don't use it. <laughs> You don't like Facebook? Like you said, you know, if Facebook went away tomorrow, a bunch of people may get upset. If, you know, Whirlpool, the people make washing machines or you know, refrigerators go away, we have a problem. So why not just say, hey, you know what? I mean, does it like every February is like, you know, the social media detox month now that people just take a break? You don't have that choice anymore. You don't have, we're in a society where you don't, you don't have the choice. If you are not on these networks, you are now connected. It's like the 23andMe argument. It's, it, that is a great example of, of kind of where we're at technologically. Uh, you may not choose to give your DNA to 23andMe or Ancestry, but when your cousin does it, and when your mom uploads a bunch of photos, and your dad uploads your name to Facebook, and your cousin uploads... Uh, sensitive information and you buy from Amazon, uh, your wife buys from Amazon, you may not make the choice to do that, but you're networked in. And so whether you participate or not, the, the you're thinking in a very old world way. And you're thinking that you Actually, are making thinking like my wife. You're thinking <laughs> well. You're thinking in a way. You're thinking like a boomer, Abdul. You're thinking that you can. No, I have a, no. I, have, I do not have a sense of oversized entitlement. <laughs> I am Generation X, and I am proud. Thank of you, it. sir. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, Dave. But let me get let me get Dr. Albert in here. Um, I don't. I, I think I do agree with Chris a lot. I think of your wife, Abdul. She's the perfect example. She's probably on social media through your pictures, through your posts of her, probably more than some people who choose not to be on the platform at all, candidly. 
So I personally, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think Europe actually has some things right with the right to be forgotten, the right to delete your profile, uh, the right for you to wipe out some of the stuff that's there. Um, I think that's fair. And I I think that's a, a good omen for all of us to be aware that all of our data is somewhere on a server somewhere. And, and is that, Baby Dave, the way that we regulate this industry? Not trying to break it up like a like a phone company, but instead of trying to regulate social media companies more, we give more power to the individuals. For Like you were saying, Dr. Albert, that right to be left alone, that right to be scrubbed, the right to be to take me and all my stuff off of this, you know, off this platform and I'm not coming back. Well, the best way sometimes, though, is not to get that data out there, is not to put it out there, which some people choose not to. There was a recent article on uh, the Pew Research did about Twitter and said that like 80% of the audience actually reads but doesn't participate. But what I want to bring up is something that no matter what, whatever the next thing is, I'll be able to figure it out. But right now, one local TV station here in town is leading the way with content and what they're finding out is they're watching their content because 98% of their audience is on Facebook. The other 2% is on Twitter and Instagram. That's how people are using the Facebook platform is to find out about news and then going to the news. I know my wife will sometimes, I hope she's not listening, she'll sometimes say late at night while we're watching TV, oh, I just see there's a five-car pileup on Channel 6 or something. And I want to go, I really didn't want to know that, but okay, at least I think she's testing to see if I'm listening. And is that, and is that maybe sort of the, like I said, the way social media grows and adapts and, and, and evolves? And like I said, we were talking about some of the negative aspects, Aaron. Uh, maybe that is like, you know, Dave's wife use it for news consumption. Use it to get, you know, information. Hey, there is a. I can watch this event stream live. You know, on my computer, literally as as it happens. Yeah. Well, I watch the news anymore. I mean, I I do go to social media before I go wait for the news to show up at five o'clock. I mean, it's so much more convenient, real time. You know, live streaming is one of those areas that I think is exploding. Right. Um, LinkedIn is still playing with live stream, but I think they're getting to the point where they're going to have it available to the masses. Facebook Live is still, you know, hot. it's posting high in the algorithms in that you post a Facebook Live, you get to the top of the algorithm. Just hit cut, right, Abdul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's every once in a while you got to remember to turn that thing off when you're talking and walking and <laughs> using, using profane language to describe people who just annoyed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I mean, if you walk into the Indy Star newsroom, there's a big bay First of, of all, is there anybody there? About Ooh. 120 less than there were 10 years ago, unfortunately. But you walk in there and they have just a bunch of TV monitors that shows, shows the articles that got the most clicks. And there's not an express uh, command to get the most clicks, but it's, it's subtly there. And if you talk to anybody in the TV or print or even radio industry, the, but, but more TV and uh, print news specifically, the paper that is physically printed out and the TV, the channel that you watch on, that's legacy support. And if you talk to the journalists, it is all about communicating online. You know, and for for my day job at Bob and Tom, you know, we used to broadcast on television. We were on WGN for years. And, you know, when we talked about, I mean, we now do a a Facebook Live and a YouTube Live every night at 8 o'clock with a 20-minute 
essentially TV show. And so for fractions of the cost of what it took to get up on the air back in the old days, we can have pretty much the same amount of audience or higher and monetize at a better level by streaming live on Facebook and YouTube at night. And so it, it does afford a lot of people. And for me, as, a, as an independent con creator at We Are Libertarians, my opinion is able to reach as many people as might be listening to this radio show right now. And I don't have a gatekeeper. So it is great for a lot of those reasons. And that's why I've been so concerned about banning political speech on these platforms is because we're all adults. And so if you hear something you don't agree with, just turn it off instead of trying to get Zuckerberg to ban it. Or or maybe or just at the point where you know eventually somebody got tired of the you know the big three or big four, and they went and start their own cable news network, and that later became CNN. I don't know. Are we at that point, Doctor Albert, where you think that okay, you know what? I don't like what these guys do with their platform. I'm gonna go get twelve six of my buddies, and we'll just. Gosh darn it, we'll just build our own and and go from there. We are an attention based economy now. It's all about how much attention you can garner and how quickly you can garner it. I just find that. Physically, morally offensive, to be honest. But it's you the kidding truth. me? It's you the put truth. The, you, put, you put a few local journalists in, in their careers in a coffin because you, better than anyone over the last 15, almost 20 years that I've known you now, have, have done such a good job of mixing personality and opinion and news and have used the internet to leverage your brand into something that quite frankly people who are still in the old modes of how we do things and this is what I've done for 30 years and everybody wants to print out this thing it's like it's not how it works anymore like there there has to be some bit of flash there has to be some pro wrestling talk radio skills if you want to really get an it, audience we call it infotainment where right. I come from but when you see Abdul live pop up you go well I wonder what he's into now right. and there's a pile of uh, a thousand tires behind him you go okay what are we talking about oh bottles well Abdul's got to be there but that attention based economy that you mentioned no matter what they're still going to follow whether or not you pause a little bit stop and click that's that's they're going to rank your attention somehow, and I think that's what's going to drive the advertising, and the advertising is what seems to be driving the economy. Dr. Albert, so I'll give you an old school analogy of book publishing. If you want to publish a book now with a traditional publisher, the first question they're going to ask you is not what the content of your book is about. They're going to ask you what following you or tribe you have built in to buy the book and if it's significant then you get a gateway into the conversation if you don't too bad so sad there's a there's a guy named michael hyatt who wrote a book called platform and he used to be the head of thomas nelson publishing christian publisher and he said if you walked in and wrote the greatest novel in history but didn't have some platform behind you to push the book we wouldn't have bought it because you've got to have a podcast a video presence a twitter following a facebook following Otherwise, and you start to see that with journalists. People like Glenn Greenwald can leave The Guardian and start something new. And so in in terms of news, it's actually a great time to be a journalist because let's say you're one of these people that just got laid off from the star. You have a name. You have a following already because you had that social proof. Now, if you're smart and you keep your costs low and you accept a lower salary and, and use digital technology, you can build something like The Athletic for local journalism. And 
people like uh, the Lilly Foundation or other city fathers may go, I support local independent investigative journalism, and Gannett is going to sell off to these robber barons, so let's invest in the people that we know have 30 years of skills. So it is a really good time to be a journalist if you if you find somebody who understands digital technology. And that's one thing people won't acknowledge that Abdul is actually a journalist. I say that again. Abdul is a journalist. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, are you comfortable if uh, you can delete this out later? If you're not comfortable with me saying this, but I mean, we worked together at a former radio station. You were politely asked to not come back on Monday, and then you replaced your income and then some by just going online. and And you know, you do this, and this is great. But you've been able to build a huge following just by using digital technology and giving people what they want. And you don't have to have 40 million people reading you. You can have 1,000 people reading you, and they can support your lifestyle business. And Indy, so it is IndyPolitics.org. And, and, and believe you me, they have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are taking a few moments today to talk to our good social media friends. We've got the band back together for a few more minutes today. Uh, Dave Baker bringing tech to you. Dr. Aaron Albert, AASCP, and also instructor at Butler University. And Chris Spangle, web director for the Bob and Tom Show. And we are Libertarians Podcast. We've been, like I said, we've been talking about social media from a number of different angles and uh, different perspectives. Perspectives. Some of the things that you folks may have seen in the news, maybe some things that you aren't necessarily uh, familiar with. Uh, Dr. Albert, let me start with you. Uh, when, what is going to be, for, for, I guess, for lack of a better term, we we see social media and sort of this this you know kind of this back and forth, which is on the one hand people want to regulate it more, on the other hand people still want it to be you know kind of the wild wild west. You've got people who are detaching themselves. Where do you see you know? this platform or these platforms going over the course of the next 10 years? Wow. Um, I would like to see a little more individual freedom and autonomy when it comes to, I think, the European experience. Again, with GDPR is the best example. The right to be forgotten, the right to delete things. Uh, Those are the types of rights that I think we need. I think there's this whole interesting phenomena holistically about online privacy. And is it time to have some major ethical discussions about what rights we should have as individuals for our digital personas online. Is online privacy an oxymoron, Dave Meeker? Well, in the world of cybersecurity, privacy can be very expensive. If a hospital gets hacked or the laptop gets stolen, there's fines that involve per record. So if a laptop has a database on it, it gets stolen, yes, it can be very very expensive. That's from a healthcare side. From an individual side, they're no longer going after your credit cards and after your social security number, but they are going after your data and your databases so they can send their message out. So it's all relevant when you talk about privacy and what cost is it. Dave, I'm sorry, Chris, in, a, in an attention-getting society, and I was, by the way, I was just kidding a few moments ago. I, I love me. I know. Every time you hear a clap of thunder, you I run, run to the, the window, window. take a bow. Right. Like he still remembers it. Yep. Uh, uh, is there really a such thing as, quote-unquote, online privacy? But like I said, the very nature of the internet is to, hey, look at me, I'm drawing attention to myself. You know, but then, again, on the one hand, can we really you know, complain that 
I can't believe all these people are, you know, looking at my stuff. But at the same time, well, part of the reason why you're here is because you want people looking at your stuff. Well, people like me are hosed. Uh, I've done everything I can to get attention. And I think older millennials have done everything they can to get, to build a following. I think younger millennials, Gen Z, are much more cognizant. They they build their social networks around the 15 people they like, whereas I tried to build 1,500 people that, li- that I want to like me. Uh, and I think younger people, if you have young kids, it's easy to keep them kind of off of these platforms. I have a friend who has never said her name publicly never posted a photo none of the family and that and it and it's hard but i think i think they'll i think social networks eventually are going to go away i think the actual uh, mental cost of them, the societal cost to them uh, of them, in a, in a bunch of different ways, have been kind of harmful. And what I think you're going to see to the to the question that you asked, Doctor Albert, where are we going? I think you'll start to see people who are quote unquote influencers uh, or have built platforms off of the backs of social people like yourself or people like me with We Are Libertarians. What we'll start to do is build out our websites and bring on other people to participate in that I think we'll kind of return back to the blog economy a little bit uh, it's so easy I can I can help somebody set up a podcast video platform for a thousand two thousand bucks you know we can build a website together for less than a couple hundred bucks on Wix you know when we were doing that 15 years ago to build a website was very time consuming thousands of dollars video streaming was not there I mean and so the the playing field is so much level more level that I think you'll start to see uh, names be the platforms that people start to go to. As we got a, just a few minutes left here, I want to circle back to, to the very beginning of our discussion. We talked about Facebook and its sort of banning of people and individuals. I have a conversation every once in a while with a really good friend of mine who posed an interesting question. He said, the social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, are they publishers or are they platforms? And if so, which one are they? Because the, the argument is that there are different legal consequences mm-hmm. To each one. It depends on the terms of service, I think. Wouldn't you say? Because on the terms of service, it does define what they'll do and what they hold the audience to. I view them more as a platform is where it seems to be going. And then the actual influencers, as Chris mentioned, being more of the publishers and having a following. Because without an audience, you could talk on the mic all day. But if no one's listening, so what? I think they're both. Um, I think you left out curation, too. So Facebook kind of shows us what they want us to see. And I think Chris had the earlier example of picking out a certain demographic and feeding them a message. That curation part is very powerful. Um, But yeah, I think they're all three. Part of the the deal of, the I think it's the 96 Telecom Act, uh, there's a section called Section 230, and that defines something like a YouTube, a Facebook, a Twitter as a platform. And you agree to give equal access to anybody that wants to use your platform. And in, in exchange, you get certain protections. So if I upload a bunch of copyrighted photos to Facebook, Facebook doesn't get sued. Really, nobody can get sued. It's You, you as the person who posted it can get cease and desists. But I think the recent change where they're now deciding who and who is and who is not politically acceptable. Obviously, anything that was breaking the law, like harassment, violence, sexual of a sexual nature, they had uh, every right to take that down. But I think once they decided to become editors of public opinion, they but, but ceded those. The, they ceded the right to be a platform. They're now publishers. But can't Facebook and other social media platforms make the argument? Hey. You know, just we if you look at our terms of service that we just updated and you agree to it, say click that you agreed not to post anything that could be considered, you know, 
racially denigrating. You know, when was sexist. the last time you got a notification from Facebook that you get notifications that they updated it, but you are not re-accepting those terms? And secondly, they're ceding the rights that were are covered by Section 230 of the law. They're not. They're no longer abiding by those terms that were agreed upon in the beginning, and now they're subject to different regulations. Aaron, David, give you two of the last words. Uh, well, I think if you're interested in social media, come to Social Media Dames Unconference. We're having one again this year. It's on August 2nd, 2019. It'll be on the north side of Indianapolis. Go to Social Media Dames on Facebook and like our page and learn more. And I've actually spoken at that. It was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to throw one more thing out there are the pirates of the social media brands that people actually pirate your hashtag, try to use it as their own only to get their feed to the top. But eventually you get a service mark and you file with the provider saying you're violating the terms of service or you report it as spam. But I think that's the next frontier is social media hashtags and the brand that goes with it. All right. Great. Well, our guests today have been Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you, Dr. Aaron Albert uh, of the ASCP and also instructor at Butler University, and our good friend Chris Spengel, web director of the Bob and Tom Show, and We Are Libertarians podcast. Uh, Chris, Aaron, Dave, my social media warriors, not social justice, social media. Thank you all very much for being with us Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us.